Live from the internet, it's the Narrative After Show. Bringing you the entire week in review. With Rachel Bittacoffer, Eric Garland, and here's your host, Zeb Chalet. And just like that, we made it to Friday. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the After Show on Narrative Live. It's so good to see you guys. You like the music, Eric. I think you like it. I think you like the little yeah. swing that we have there. I, I, he seems I'm to listening to something else entirely. What? Who? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be that kind of show. Our is names it? have ever gone with classy jazz, Eric. I felt pretty good about that. You know, it's pretty elegant, right? <laughs> Rachel Bittercoffer is here, and Eric Garland are here, as they always are on a Friday. It's good to be with you as we do the recap of the news, the entire week in review tonight. Really, only three topics going to make it to the show. Maybe more. We'll see how it goes. One of them is Elon Musk, because if you like me, are fearful of going to a dinner party this weekend where someone is going to ask you, what do you think about Elon Musk buying Twitter? I've researched this topic and I will give you some answers. Uh, that's coming up later in the show. But the big news of the day has got to be uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene on the stand, lying her, you know what, off. Rachel Bittercoffer has very kindly and very nobly listened to the entire <laughs> affair for eight hours today. You know, Rachel, thank you for doing that. It's really God's work and uh, we appreciate it. Um, what's your big takeaway? You know, it's still, I will tell you my, you can see the tiredness of my eyes streaming the uh, phone watching this trial. It was fascinating and it was so important and we are going to have some laughs about it. But as one of you guys said before the show, lots of seriousness on that, on trial today too, in that little affair. So. Um, so I've got some interesting things to tell people before we jump into the clips of from today's MTG hearing. Uh, firstly, people should know that we're very thankful to our patrons on this show because without you, none of this would happen. You know, it's Eric and Rachel and me, but it's only possible because of our patrons. So we welcome you and we welcome you to join our Patreon program at patreon.com forward slash narrative. But also because we love you so much, there is now a hotline, a red phone, if you would, that you can call <laughs> us directly by messaging us. It's like a modern red phone. And you can call us at any time. Send us your messages. We will take them and uh, you don't have to speak. It'll just be text but we'll be happy to show you them on our phone, on our air, if you send us our messages. Now, to access the red phone, only patrons can go to narrative.org forward slash TV. That's narrative.org forward slash TV. That's where you can talk to us about whatever it is you want to talk to us about. Maybe it's better if you talk to us about the topics on today's show, like MTG and Elon Musk, but we'll take any comments at narrative.org forward slash TV. So that's something you need to know about. Also, you will see throughout the show something new, there's a little barcode thingy. What do you call this QR code? Because we're so on top of things here. We're so into the future that you can now scan that. And apparently it will take you to the podcast page, the narrative podcast page, and you can make sure you follow the podcast and uh, you'll have it there for your future reference. If you need to ever find us, you'll know where to find us on Apple Podcasts. So that's the business end of things. And it will not download Pegasus software onto your phone. We promise. I promise it's not. It's actually done by Apple itself, and they guarantee me that there's no, um, there's no Pegasus. I'm taking all this uh, innovation, this fancy shit, to mean that you did not actually take a vacation vacation and no. instead did a bunch of shit you weren't supposed to be I, doing on vacation. Huh? I love doing all this stuff because it just, I don't know, it keeps me busy. <laughs> and, well, you know, what else could I do with my time? So I enjoy it. Um, well, I do have one critical feedback I think you need, though. This is really important yeah. for all of us, all of our sakes. Yeah. The red phone. 
Yeah. Nobody under the age of like twenty. <laughs> and will, literally, no, but, you know, Rachel, we're gonna... them, they have a phone, and I watched the little kids go up and try to figure out how you would call somebody on it, the rotary phone, and it's so funny. So I think no, we will order nuclear strikes. You didn't get the memo. <laughs> we have a thing. We're cool. In TV, in TV control rooms around the country, still, I believe there are still red phones because it really, really? is the yeah. only way that execs or, or senior presidents of the company can reach a, a control room producer if they need to in a hurry is to call the red phone number. And it's really only used for that. And you really oh, hate it cool. when it rings. You freak the hell out because you're like, oh, no, we did something really, really wrong. Sometimes they don't say that you did something wrong, but that's what the red phone you know, really does exist. And it is legit red. Like it's red. It's legit red, red and you can't miss okay. it. And you know what it's for. Like you see it, you're like, why okay. Why do you guys, why are you having Ghislaine Maxwell on as a yeah, exactly. That's the phone that Murdoch used to call to yeah. make Gretchen show more skirt while she was on the air, you know? Oh my gosh, probably. That? The Fox News probably. predators, they'd sit up there and call him in and be like, tell her to move her legs. <laughs> you guys didn't see that movie? No, I haven't seen that movie, oh, but I, I, I believe it is probably movie. quite true. It had Nicole Kidman and somebody else that was major in it. Brings to life the Fox News sex harassment scandals. So well done. I think it's called Bombshell. You should definitely see oh, that. Oh, definitely check it out. That sounds really yeah. good. By the so, way. Well, hold um, on. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to put Rachel in this, but Zev, we might need a camera shot for you and I that's like a glass top table and everyone, I guess... Yeah, we'll wear kilts. I actually have a glass top table, and I'm naked from the waist down. But um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> after I saw those Madison Cawthorn partying pictures, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I just can't take any more today. Double visuals. <laughs> we went. Go- oh, they, were there pictures? I didn't see the pictures. Oh yeah, pictures? they came out today. I mean, this has been a where have I been? Week in news. Uh, you know, not to like bump hey. ahead into the agenda, but what a week! What? And then after yeah. eight hours of MTG on stage. Age, what do I get? I get a Politico piece with photos of Madison Cawthorn dressed up in a brawl, drunk off his ass, partying with some chicks. I mean, it's not surprising. Well, he's the Orgy and Coke guy, you know? Well, yeah, the Orgy and Coke guy, but he's paraplegic. I always find it so difficult to understand how he does these things. There's there's a a lot of Orgy. There's a lot of (laughs) Orgy. We don't want... Look... Look, do we want to talk talk down orgies and coke here? I don't know what the brand of the show is, but I want to. It's definitely orgies and coke. It's yeah. been a rough week for the people of the GOB, <laughs> GOP, <laughs> partly because of the orgies and coke, but also because it's been a rough week for them. MTG, and then they're also their patron. <laughs> Have you seen what happened to their patron saint, um, uh, Mr. Vladimir Putin? Have you seen what's happened to him? Spare a thought for this man. This is uh, well, well, it was a t- the Flynn brothers couldn't get on this show for love or money. I mean, that was the biggest loss yeah. for the, the Republicans. But you know. uh, yes, but we have uh, this guy. How it started, how it's going. I mean, which is supposed to be, which is the before and after, which is the good part there. I, I don't see it. It's a all hero. downhill. It starts bad and it it's, goes down. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, the horse's hair in that photo. Do you see? Like, yeah, the, you know what? You know That's what? That's a good looking hair, man. 
He, what happened to his hair? Look at his hair. He looks like a Soviet-era civil servant waiting for his pension is what he looks like. Yeah, there's a lot going on there, man. Yeah. You know? No, the, the horse's haircut, I have slept on that. That's the best part of that photo, and I never noticed until Rachel picked it up. So That is a great I don't know why it stood out because I've looked at that photo so many times, Eric, but boy, it's like the rock of ages of horse's hair, you know? <laughs> that is like, that's fashion forward, like fierce. Yeah, no, that was and that. In fact, things have gotten so bad for uh, Vladimir Putin that he's actually uh, now going around in this, um, which is <laughs> that's a good that's a good visual. I spent a lot of time on Photoshop last night because who can who can resist that? That's a, that's worthy. That's worthy. We, we didn't talk about this, so I don't expect the, uh, you know, the, the tweet, but there was uh, apparently the Ukrainians, you know, the, there was the cruiser Moskva that got sunk. And I believe it's the first flagship of a major power that's ever been sunk by a country that doesn't have a fucking navy, which oh. is a serious thing they have a name and in ukraine they have one no i know when i no in two, 2014 oh. russia seized their navy that's right most yeah. of their navy was in sevastopol and most of like the cruisers and anything that was military it, they didn't it's funny they never made it on the news and like they never became part of that discussion mm -hmm. it was like oh they just took crimea no they took all the they took all the warships that were in crimea yeah. they took over the naval power of the ukraine in the black sea and took, you know, they had, I believe they had some different supply ships, Corvettes, some different stuff, but their major like missile cruisers or anything that they had that the, the Russians seized that. And anyhow, the Moskva, despite not having a Navy, they sunk a Russian flagship and they declared that wreck part of like a UNESCO heritage site or oh, something yeah? like that. <laughs> they, de they declared it like an underwater theme park, like from like for serious for the. <laughs> It's well, sure part of like the, it's it's part of the Ukrainian cultural heritage center or something. Every <laughs> like, national like, will have to go and dive to get to see the boats yeah, in the future <laughs> or what's left of it. That, um, that is trolling. Like you never have, you don't you don't normally have trolling in wars. Like you know, it's not they took the beaches at Normandy and it's like whackity schmackity do. They didn't get all cutesy, but you know these guys they have jokes. They have commemorative stamps. You know, fuck worship oh and I mean. They got comedy writers. They like they, you know, we split off part of the Conan O'Brien battalion and handed them to these guys. And you know, they have a comedian who's the president. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. you know, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, I don't know any dumb comedians. You know, because you have to be in, inherently intellectual to do stand-up comedy. It's so yeah. demanding in terms of what you're trying to do all at the same time with it. It just seems like it breeds smart and also very complex depressed people <laughs> like myself <laughs> yes indeed it does if you want some jokes here's uh representative green as you all know was on the stand today defending her comments defending her statements her actions ahead of january the 6th because let's face it she's an insurrectionist here's a clip from what happened as she was describing her reaction as they heard that shots were being fired and when you uh were notified that people had entered the capital illegally. Did you also understand at that point that there had been violence at the capital? I only knew what I was told. I'd heard, I'd heard a gunshot. We all heard it. And um, we were so confused. We thought Antifa was breaking in or BLM because of 
Those were the riots that had gone on and on all throughout 2020, day in and day out. Uh, just horrible riots all over the country, and that was the only thing that made sense to most of us, breaking in or... That was the only thing that made sense to her. I mean, even though she was there just a few days ago calling for a uh, insurrection and martial law and all sorts of things, the only thing that came to mind was BLM. That makes complete sense. Rachel, what was that all about during the, her uh, her thing today? That was her messaging effort. And to be fair, the attorney let her go on for about another second after that before he was like, uh, objection, no relevancy here, you know. She's always on stage, even in this legal precarious position you could tell that she was doing performative art right now i will say it was handled well but i always have such high standards for what i want and i would have liked to have seen him use the opportunity to grill her down a little bit more but i think we're going to see that she was left with no choice to either lie tell the truth or just pretend that she has dementia and that <laughs> and we're going to see that that's what she she goes with the third the first one she lies as well right i mean she also does lie quite blatantly she says in her statements there in her under oath that she's never heard of the notion of QAnon, and we know that's not true because here's a clip we found how much you guys know about q he's it's an anonymous person all right so um q is a patriot we know that for sure but we do not know who q is okay so now the question is i'm going to talk about this and I'm going to tell you, I don't know who Q is, but I'm just going to tell you about it because I think it's something worth listening to and paying attention to. Okay, and the reason why is because many of the things that he has given clues about and talked about on 4chan and other forums um, have really proven to be true. Okay, so there's some... I would let you go. I did not have there. Q with that anonymous. <laughs> I did not have Q. She did not inhale, Aaron. <laughs> but only because Nancy Pelosi forced her to wear a mask, you know? I mean, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi and Tifa. <laughs> critical. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> I think, too, like, it's really important, though, right? Like, to also acknowledge that she knows, right? So every time that that bitch said, I don't know, is technically a lie because she knows. She, she knows. knows everything she did, dude. She's on tape. <laughs> she knows. She's yeah, right there. Okay. In- <laughs> Look, she had been like elected like nine seconds before that and noticed they're like, it's a fake election. Then why the fuck are you here? Right. If it was <laughs> fake and we got to redo it, then go, go, go back to Satan's colon where you came from or whatever. And, you know, it's like, well, no, just the part that we don't like is fake. Yeah, this, did you th- did you we need a writer's room? You need to get Zelensky's writer's room in here with notes. And like, did you think this plot all the way through? They did not. What is the role of these people? Like, what are these comedians that are there as representatives? I mean, the Madison Cawthorns and and this one, you know, MTG and what's in Bone Bobert? Haven't heard from her Bobert for a while. Bobert. Yeah, uh, what are they actually doing? Like, they're just a gaslight contingency. I mean, is that what they do? They just out there to shock us they, all. I mean, yeah, they're so we look at the dummies instead of the Koch brothers and all the oligarchs. And when you America, say Koch brothers, you don't taxes. mean Madison Cawthorn's orgies. You mean the other Koch brothers. Uh, I don't know. Let's not talk about him having sex again on the show. <laughs> I'm going to have my agent write that into my contract. We're done right. talking about. Well, let's, him, let's him, look. Let's be clear orgy. though. Like the Cawthorns, I don't want the dummies. Like those guys, they're a fire that burned out of control. Like they are the Frankenstein that the Kochs 
created, right? Yeah. They had all these ideas about, you know, hey, we're going to use this propaganda network. We're going to tell people this, this, and this. It's going to drive them to the polls. It's going to drive them away from Democrats. All fine, fine and dandy until that shit rose from the grave and then came and ate them alive, right? And so, like, you know, it is, it's really important, I think, for people to understand the reason MTG doesn't get punished by congressional leadership is that they can't punish her because that's the party now. Like the base of the fucking party is her, not Kevin McCarthy, not the creative you know, monster. All these older, older school Republicans. The reason that they have their balls in the hangar like that is because the base likes her more than it likes any of the so-called establishment Republicans. I just think it's really important to differentiate today's Republican Party, GOP 2.0, from the one that existed prior to Donald Trump's ascension to the presidency. It's really that different, hey? You actually study this for a living. So I know, Eric, you want to That's jump right. in, but but you actually study this for a living. And what you, you're seeing in the polls is that there's a completely different GOP out there. Yeah, yeah we never talk about what has happened how we got to this place, and there's many things, right? Mm -hmm. But drilling mm -hmm. down on this one thing, it's important to remember, the Republican Party had a civil war, okay? Started off as a mm -hmm. little insurrection with some Tea Party shit in the 2010 cycle, mm -hmm. and then that shit started rolling. And then when they killed off electorally Eric Cantor in Virginia's 7th District, tanking his ascension to the speakership, they started oh. to move towards away from the autopsy and towards like the base, right? And Donald Trump walked right into that. And when he came, it mm. took a, a simmering civil war that was slightly favoring the radicals and blew it out the gate. He could not get yeah. an elite endorsement until after he was close to Iowa when mm. he finally got his first True, like. Yeah elected yeah. endorsement okay it was a hostile takeover but once it was taken over the few jump ship and that's why we see that decline in party id is mostly right heading into the fall election of 2016 the people who got off the boat right then and eric probably knows a lot of them as i do those people left there was an exodus the measurable exodus after that the hangers on have generally stayed there okay now i do think we can get more of them if we go after their brand loyalty and we remind them of how republicans have, have betrayed their two, two core issue areas the economic and national security realm and so there's growth in those realignments or dealignments for us to be had but that's where we're looking at and the media just keeps talking about this republican party like it's the same thing from 2006 even okay this is not yeah. this is a distinct different party it had purges all of the people that used to be called conservatives are now ultra moderates right all of yeah. the actual like old school like William F. Buckley type conservatives were kicked out of the party too. Like, you know what I mean? Like the intellectual yeah. conservative movement is exercised basically to adopt Trumpism. And now we're, we're dealing with a different beast and we have to accept that. It's not an honest opposition party. It's an ideological movement. And some people could probably accurately call it a cult. 
Yeah. There, yeah, there's certainly no like Senator Jack Danforth, like uh, the, the senior, the, he's retired senior senator, very powerful uh, figure yeah. in the Republican Party, who said the worst thing he ever did was back Josh Hawley. There is no Danforth in the Republican Party right now. And the Boberts and Greens, they make Tom DeLay look like Cicero. <laughs> they. Yes, exactly. Oh my God! Jim yeah, Jordan yeah. makes John Boehner look like Augustus Caesar. No shit, dude. No shit. And wow. that's in, to take your point on the dates, Rachel. We're talking a period of years. Look, I'm not pining for the uh, good old days of Tom Delay and Jack Abramoff, were like foreign agents and so, like. Well, I uh, am, Saipan. dude, because at least Republicans knew Putin bad back then, right? <laughs> and like, they didn't want to actually kill us, you know. So, when, you know, yeah. to some respect, like, I look back to yeah, 2006, I'm like, fuck, I wish I could go back there and do at least I could sleep at night, you know. They liked Chinese casinos pretty good. There were issues, but none of them were like, shit, you know, we did distinctly remember the feeling in D.C. and after the 06 election, after quite a bit of the George W. Bush years, um, and of course, you know, even us Intel analysts who try to stay very nonpartisan, it was like, there's going to be some grownups uh, back, or at least we're going to roll back, you know, this reckless crew of people who look like the golden age of Athens now, right? You know, Dick Cheney's daughter is part of the Savior's crew, right? Mm -hmm. Go back and talk to your January two, first 2007 political self and go, man, you're going to be so excited when Liz Cheney flies in to save the day. We're like, what the ass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Donald Trump gets elected president. Well, for, actually, first we have a black dude for president. For, what? Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> Clinton flames out. We have a black dude, you know, for two. For two and then Donald Trump takes a, what in the fuck are you people that what happened no, no, it's a long stereo you know but there was this sigh of relief in 2007 you know that those those folks were getting out and it's just it's and all the of them are who we look to be the moral compass of today's republican coalition i mean that is now their fucking moral center is the people that were so bad in 2006 that people were in the streets protesting and <laughs> That's how far we've moved along the spectrum. It's quite unbelievable. No, now, Mitch McConnell says, and I don't know if you want to take anything Mitch McConnell says seriously, that if they you know, land up putting up a whole bunch of radicals like, or extremists as in the next election, that they will yep. do badly. Now, they're going to put up a lot of extremists, but they're also going to do better than expected. So what's the truth behind all of that, Rachel? Is too much extremism bad for the prospects for the House? For the Republicans? Look, I have no idea if McConnell knows this or not, if he was acting or fronting for the camera and, and he doesn't disclose everything he thinks and feels, right? Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is what happened in 2010, what happened in 2012 to a lesser extent against Claire McCastle with Tom Todd Aiken is demonstrably mm. not what we're seeing happen in more recent cycles on the Republican side, okay? Oh, so yeah. um, when we look at Roy Moore, he did lose his election. That was the special election against Doug Jones. And he was the incredibly accused, multiply accused, credibly accused child molester guy that they wanted to send yeah. to Alabama. Senate. He got 90% of all the people who showed up and said that they were Republicans, which is a lot of people. <laughs> and Doug Jones won that election by just a couple of points. I mean, it was within like a point or two. So he, it was very, very close. And it was not because 
Republicans broke away. Now, to, to highlight how different that is, in 2012, that Aiken cycle with legitimate rape, Claire McCaskill mm-hmm. actually got an extra 10 points of Republican vote. You can see it in the polling data. So instead of breaking against her at 90, they broke against her at 80. So 80% of Republicans still voted for Aiken. And that was when we were still somewhat healthy, right? So like this idea that, I mean, certainly as a person trying to save democracy, I want them to nominate the dumbest, weakest candidates they can. The Republican Party is not stupid like us, though. Like whoever the fuck they nominate, if it's Melmut Oz and or the dude, the Heisman winner down, Herschel Walker down in Georgia, who can't even put two words together, the Republicans are going to spend mad money. They're going to be 100% committed to electing this individual. And the Democrats mm. will get nominee they really want, and then one that's good that beat this one that was, you know, had all these advantages, and then they'll turn their back on him and be like, ah, well, you know, this isn't the person we thought would win the district, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, no, Republicans Republicans are going to be competitive. We may very well come out of that cycle seeing both Pennsylvania and Georgia taken over by nut jobs. Wow. wow. Well, that's lovely. Um, DeSantis' redistricting thing in Florida, is that going to hold? Is that going to actually hold? There are now four new GOP seats, basically, in oh. in Florida because yeah. he decided to redraw yeah. the map. Because Yeah, which makes, by the way, our, puts the House of Representatives back Technically, yeah, technically, <laughs> it was already going to be a miracle to hit 218 with the other Florida map. And if DeSantis puts this one in, it basically buffers them on our best case. Right. So it's a big problem. And here's the thing. I think DeSantis will be stopped by courts, but I don't know that he's going to care, you know. I mean, he has to, doesn't he? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. No one knows well, anything anymore, it seems. Like, it's just. Baby Vance is telling people, well, you know, there's no enforcement mechanism. It's not like the court has a military. So if the court comes, rules against them favorably, that's what you guys saw JD Vance's statement. It was like full on mind camp, right? He says, we should go and take all over the left institutions ideologically purge them of wokeism and oh you guys didn't see this i didn't see it no i didn't see that i I saw it go by and and i was just like like, and then when the courts rule against us we'll just tell them to fuck off because they don't have an army which is like a famous quote from one of these historical yeah yeah, you guys should see the Supreme, it was, it was Andrew Jackson. The Supreme Court's and, ruled this. They and can it's send incredible their because it was Dave Weigel that brought it out for Twitter, and he's you know he's not going to put something up that's not legit. So yeah. there's a bit of history there, Eric. You were suggesting that there's uh, just remind us of the history there because I'm curious about it. I don't know enough about American. Oh, history, of, uh, Andrew Jackson. I believe the Supreme Court ruled against Jackson's treatment of the Native Americans, so they delivered their ruling, and Andrew Jackson said, "Well, that's very interesting. They can send their army and uh, enforce it." That's what he quoted. Yeah. And note that is it's Andrew Jackson's, you know, look, I can't wait till we put Harriet Tubman on that $20 bill because she's a nurse, a spy, a badass, all the things. Yeah. Put her on the 20. But the only other place you'd see Jackson is Trump, who's, you know, a guy from Queens, remember, you know, so shouldn't have you know a lot of those nostalgias. He had Jackson's portrait up in the Oval Office, I think, from the beginning which was a very early threat from these guys. That's like the, we're in, and if you want to come out, you're getting a fight. So they kind of called their shot there very early. So we need an army, is that what we're saying? That Jackson portrait in the White House. I mean, I remember, Eric, I'm so glad you you like also zeroed in on that because I remember just the first time I saw that, the sinking feeling I got in my gut. 
Like previous to that, of course, I generally had joked around about like, this isn't going to end well. It's going to have to end in some kind of coup of some type. Um, and then I saw that Jackson shit and I realized, no, this is fucking bad. <laughs> like they know exactly what they're doing. It's much more mm-hmm. smart yes. than people think it is. Right. And you can't be shouting. I mean, it's like, uh, it, was, it was such a tell that was deeply ideologically committed to this idea of a superior executive. And keep in mind what Vance is saying, what Jackson argued back then is, okay, the court's going to say something is unconstitutional. I'm going to say, fuck, you don't have an army. You can't enforce it. And with that, you are basically toppling like a pillar of our constitutional order. It's not a small thing. Yeah. Speaking of executive rule and superiority, (laughs) that came up in today's MTG hearing. Here's a a moment I was surprised to see the uh, lawyer representing President Trump in the the green candidacy hearing. Here's that clip. Discuss that topic, the idea that there should be martial law declared in the United States prior to the inauguration of President Biden. Your Honor, I'm going to have to, which I, I actually represent the President of the United States, and that's covered by executive privilege. He, she can't get into any of this conversation. Executive privilege, she's not a member of the executive, and this counselor is here on <laughs> Trump's behalf, unless there's something I missed. It's not a proper objection, Your Honor. So, I don't know what he, he was doing there, but, you know, hello, <laughs> Trump's lawyer. Executive privilege? No, you can't claim that, really, can you? I mean, is it even possible under these circumstances? None. None. No, you cannot. She's not part of the executive. (laughs) Can you imagine if she were? Secretary of State or something? There's so much wrong with that, like, you know, phone book lawyer's assertion of executive privilege. But my favorite part is that MTG's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He totally had her convinced, you know? Oh, man. You know, we argue papal infallibility. Um, Yeah. That's not how this works. That's not how any. There were some nice moments of today's community service, and that was definitely one of them. <laughs> I mean, She's boy. Not part of the executive. You know, there's going to be like marital fights. Like, are you sleeping with your secretary? That's covered by executive privilege. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't that. <laughs> she served. I in heard the it one time on the news. Fuck it, right? It's still executive privilege. <laughs> Seems to be where well, we're living these days. This is where we're at. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Unless it's a discussion that happened in the Presidential Emergency Operations Center, and you're asking about that, which would be covered by executive privilege, that should be retitled for everyone. F*** you, I'm not answering that question. Go f*** yourself. And yes. in that order, <laughs> on the news. Which may or may not have occurred after an underground tunnel jaunt from the Willard Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> we're just saying, we don't know for sure. We're just we're saying. saying, I mean, it's yeah. possible. That's covered by insurrectionist privilege. <laughs> <laughs> it happened in the executive office, essentially. So the operations center would be part of the executive office, I think. Technically, so you think- it happened while we were overthrowing the government, so therefore the government shouldn't have any power over that? <laughs> that's, basically, that's basically the defense. I don't I don't think we'll have time to cover it. The defense is, you know, look, you can convict me of my obvious crime of insurrection is basically their defense, okay? But don't bother because we might get amnesty if we can take control of Congress and get two thirds vote in time before she's sworn in on the third, which is basically saying, hey, if we can get this like, you know, new Congress in, seize power, she's not applicable. She's got amnesty. So yeah, it's really a 
up legal argument, dude. <laughs> so you think MTG had a bad week? Madison Cawthorn had a bad week. Even Vladimir Putin may have had a bad week. But spare a thought for this gentleman. Do you guys know who this guy is? Joseph no. F. Kahn. He is the new editor of the New York Times. Pulitzer Prize-winning China correspondent who rose to lead the international desk of the New York Times and then as managing editor helped steer the newspaper into the digital era, has been selected as the Times' new executive editor, the top newsroom job. And uh, to say thank you, his photo editors actually chose to publish not only this amazing picture that you see on your screen right now, but also this photo you see right here. <laughs> he must be really popular in the newsroom. I thought you were serious for a second, dude. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, why he's not, he's not wearing that socks and shoes. You know, he just signed up for like the shittiest job in America. <laughs> and you got to burn him like that, you know? Can you just relax him by the paper? In fact, I think it says here in the, yeah, in the caption, about, it like, says, uh, can't Mr. win, man. Like New York Times. <laughs> Mr. Khan with paper is what it says at the bottom, <laughs> or relaxing and with I, paper or something. Oh. And that Chinese symbol in now in Mandarin, that means investigating Trump, FBI finds no links to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, we wouldn't have it any other way. Look, even Vladimir Putin came in. There so. <laughs> <laughs> Cover up that thing he's not having any of that anyhow so that's the uh congratulations to Khan. Uh, you must have uh, a very loyal <laughs> and wonderful newsroom that are going to love you a lot that photo is a classic he's not wearing any shoes by the way those are leather soled socks because you have a pair of leather soled socks don't you eric what is he a ninja <laughs> that's like <laughs> and the toe split a little bit i mean I don't know. That's a hell what of a pose. A, that is just a hell a, of a pose. All right. Well, I'm on. redoing my corporate website, or and you may not want to use this for narrative. You may, but I'm going to like try and recreate the El McPherson uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover. With oh me. yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And I think it'll I mean, be perfect. I mean, because if this that. is the look, I don't. I'm not a design guy, but I want to be behind the times. If this is the trend, <laughs> this is the trend. This is what the New York Times wants you to be posing like in your next photo shoot. So keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. And on to Mr. Uh, Elon Musk. So this is, I mean, I know people are sort of freaking out, you know, is he going to buy Twitter? He may just buy Twitter. He's raised apparently $54 million or something like that. So that's a significant amount of money to, with which to buy Twitter. And uh, everyone keeps wanting to have this conversation with people. And they're like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing that, you know, that Elon Musk would buy Twitter? And most people have no clue, right? I mean, I had to look this up because I, I know a little bit about him because we've been researching it for um, our narrative series you know, called the secret life of Elon Musk. And there's certainly a lot of like inconsistencies to say the least about his story. And most people don't really have a good idea of whether it's a good thing or not. But you assume that the guy who made battery operated cars and made uh, space travel less costly and possible on a, a much more regular basis. Also a guy who's fathered maybe 12 kids. He's had 12 kids. Oh, I didn't know that. And while simultaneously hosting SNL, he also keeps having these rotation of beautiful women as his wives. I mean, he just seems so incredibly busy, but yet he still wants to buy Twitter. Yeah. And the thing is, the reason people suspect that it's not a legit kind of offer and it's not really what it seems is because he is not really what it seems. For one thing, we assume that he is wealthy, right? He's, he's the world's richest man, right? That's what people say about him. 
Yes, now it is not. Yeah, only he's not. Yes. He's only rich on paper. So on paper, he's worth three hundred billion dollars or something ridiculous. But he's not really able to access any of that stuff. In other words, he is like the equivalent of every cash poor house rich person in America. Is he's that why he's out search- surfing? I just heard him bragging about this shit. Like on some interview, he was like, "Yeah, dude, I don't even have a house, man. I just sleep at everybody's." All my friends' pads. It's exactly right. <laughs> I, I mean, if I was a fucking richest man in the world, dude, I'd be not doing that. <laughs> no, you would not. You'd be living in a nice house, right? Even if you were just on paper worth three hundred billion dollars, you'd try to like yeah, live in a nice house. house with other people that lived in it three hundred and sixty-four days of yeah. the year that I wasn't there, and I'd probably have like twenty of them, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I'd be showering myself with gold, whatever it is. You know, I'd just be using that money as effectively as I could. But he doesn't have that money. So he had to go to the bank to buy Twitter. He has to go to the bank and actually loan against the amount of Tesla stock that he can borrow against. So there's a limited number of stock dollars or stock value that he can borrow against. And he was able to, at that point, get $25 billion to go to the sale of Twitter. So imagine that you've got only $25 billion or whatever it is you've already got. This is not the thing you would immediately think about doing is buying Twitter, right? I mean, Twitter is like, yeah, go ahead, Eric, you want to jump in there? Well, if you had been reprimanded by the SEC over misleading, wasn't it misleading tweets or something? Was, yeah. yeah. And didn't he if sort of, misleading, uh, you, you mean fraudulent valuation of your own stock? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so he's kind of financed by the Saudis, I think, to take Tesla private. So he's looking to buy ownership control over a large stockpile of digital forensic evidence of potential pump and dump schemes that are against the Security and Exchange oh. Act of 1933 and 1934. I didn't even like think about that. That's really interesting. I like that's that. Really, uh, that's you know why that's really interesting is because there's like a bit of a theory around the whole Tesla and SpaceX thing that it's a bit of a Ponzi scheme. You know, that's basically there one company that operates as two companies and they keep borrowing against each other which seems like, you know, has gone well for them because the stocks keep rising. SpaceX is doing well. Tesla's doing well. It's all okay. But imagine one of these stocks crashes and then both companies go kaboom, which would leave, you know, astronauts stranded in space and cars careening off the road because that's what those companies do. Um, well, we'd bail them out, right? We'd have to go and we'd then have we'd have to, to bail them out. out. We'd have to go and get the astronauts back. We've got to leave them floating <laughs> too, in space. Too, too out of, off of the earth to fail or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, do either of you guys remember the uh, retail shop Crazy Eddie's in uh, New York City in the 1980s? I think I should have been about that. Okay, you might might have just gotten a New Yorker. Did and have people weird commercials, Crazy Eddie on TV. He was a disc jockey whose name um, Jerry something who escapes me. Uh, you know, we've got VCRs, we've got boomboxes. It's our prices yeah. are insane. Everyone, the, the, the yes, commercials were very legendary. Yeah. Right. So they were an enormous financial fraud and the whole thing flamed out. And a great guy you should follow on Twitter is Sam Antar, uh, Sammy Antar, who I believe is the nephew of Eddie Antar, who is Eddie of Crazy Eddie's. And he got nailed by the SEC and criminally charged and he paid his price to society. And now he helps good guys catch crooks. And he describes himself as a retired crook. And, you know, he is trolling Elon Musk, like constantly on everything, like he'll make some move and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you do this at the last second. So the, you know, they're holding the bag, you know, this is called, 
you know, the two week bag break or whatever. He's like, oh, I'm man. totally gonna follow this dude, man. Because here's Sammy, my take on this buddy. shit. There's no fucking way there's not some evil fucking plan, okay? And I don't. I am a good compartmentalizer. So I love Tesla and SpaceX, especially SpaceX, because when I was talking about reforming elections, how we do elections, I'm like, look, we have NASA, we need SpaceX. So it's a very handy example, and it's been a mad success in terms of its mission objective. There's no doubt about that. That doesn't mean, though, that Elon Musk is an infallible person. In fact, he's quite fallible and he has done some really shady shit politically. Number one, he wanted to subject his workers to reopen in California before there were vaccines, right? Yeah. He was like howling into the fucking wind about not being able to reopen Tesla before it was safe. And then in addition to that, like he's friends with Kanye West, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure had something to do with like setting that top spinning in 2020 when he had that really ridiculously and luckily a, a total fail because the Republican Party took it seriously. They recruited him to run. Jared Kushner met with Kanye West to recruit him to run yeah. because they hoped that just being a celebrity would give him enough viability to siphon off voters. And it was a stupid plan, but you know, number one, at least they try shit. Number two, it revealed to me that Elon Musk is, he's got political ideologies that are a lot. not to holding a company like Twitter. No. In fact, I would say that he thinks, see, this is his actual reasoning. He says publicly that he wants to buy Twitter because the entire civilization is at stake. That's, <laughs> that's really what he says. And I actually don't disagree with him entirely. I do think that there is a lot at stake with Twitter because... You know, we are having this battle between monarchists and autocrats on the one side, democracy on the other side. We're sort of seeing it, you know, claim many, many lives in Ukraine right now. It's threatening to overtake the world. There is a sort of an ideological battle going on. And we haven't quite had it here yet because we still have Twitter. In some ways, Twitter is sort of our battle space, right? I mean, whether we love it or hate it, and some of us hate it, but we still go because you can actually have ideologies and ideological conversations take place. And it's a place still that has some sort of fairness. It's not completely fair, but you can be a show like Narrative and be on Twitter and get an audience. If yeah. We do the same show on Facebook every day, every week. We do the same show on YouTube every week. We get a fraction of the audience on YouTube, no audience on Facebook, but we get an audience on Twitter because right. the algorithms are a little bit more fair than they are anywhere else. This kind of stuff must really piss Elon Musk off and Elon Musk's managers or whoever it is that runs Elon Musk or must get really, really mad at the idea that there is television that is unregulated that they can't touch because they own yeah. all of television. I mean, they own the networks, they own Fox News and OAN and Newsmax or what have you. And, and so Twitter is an unregulated and Facebook and Twitter is <laughs> an unregulated space for them. So they want to buy it for that reason. They think it will save civilization by taking it off the playing field. They want to take Twitter Firstly, they want to take it away from being public and turn it into a private organization so there will be no SEC scrutiny, no anything about them. And then they want to rebalance <laughs> the ideologies of the whole place. Yeah. So it's a little disturbing. 
Yeah, no, it would destroy. I think the only reason he would buy it is for an agenda. Yep. You know, I, I think Elon Musk thinks Donald Trump should be on Twitter. I think he thinks that today. Yeah. And I'm here yeah. to tell you that not only should he not be on Twitter, <laughs> the banning of Donald Trump hadn't occurred off of the social media platforms at the beginning after he had violated their terms of use, maybe 10 or the first 20 times. If they had done it back then, we would not be sitting on the edge of a cliff right here in fucking America right now. And the last thing we need is a replatformed insurrection movement. Exactly. Noel Kassler, our good friend, uh, puts it this way. It's, it's such a coincidence that Elon Musk tries to buy Twitter around the same time that Truth Social fails at GOP. It's a good point. He's got a point, as Noel does. He usually uh, does. Yeah. Now, here's the plan. Here's Elon Musk's plan. He wants to, a social media platform's policies are good if the most extreme 10% on the left and the right are equally unhappy. Why he says that, why he believes that, I have no idea. But if you think <laughs> about it, that's where we're at in America today. We're at a very divisive stage of America that everyone's sort of angry at each other and pissed off at America. And there's this belief that like the Reagan doctrine, everything should be somehow balanced, that we should give the GOP as much credibility as the Democratic Party, even though the GOP is spouting a bunch of lies and propaganda and bullshit and the, you know, versus the truth, which is what the Democrats might be saying, or others might be saying that we should give them equal rating, which is crap, really. Well, so there was a very revealing story that came out in the Los Angeles Times, and it was it sort of buried the lead. It was like the Twitter botnet that supported Elon Musk since 2013. So... Hmm. You know, if this is going to be the town square, right? Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the left or the right. We touched on this a lot in 2016, and we need to do more of it. Freedom of speech should not be freedom of speech for Chinese, Iranian, North Korean, and Russian and Moldovan botnets to right. fire 75,000 tweets, harass people. You know, yo, I went, I went viral on Twitter in December 2016 for going, hey, there's Russia and Trump. And, you know, that blew up. And early, they've taken out a ton of these botnets. But the yeah. amount of, like, I was told by some of my people, like, dude, do not search for your name on anything. Like, not Twitter, definitely not Google. But, de you know, like, definitely not Twitter. They were botnets. That's not to say I'm not unpleasant and that people don't, you know, say, <laughs> you know, authentic, mean things, some of which might be true. But, you know, <laughs> 78, like, I used to, you know, go... Yeah. I'm from Vermont and Bernie Sanders never used to be that impressive to us. 78,000, you know, kill yourself right now. It was like, it's like, yeah. you know, he had lunch with some family members of mine. who's like, he eats with his mouth open. I mean, this is not a hot war here. We're from Vermont. <laughs> we met him. Don't think he's the savior. It's like, throw yourself in an open volcano now. And you know, like, I started mentioning that name. You started buzzing, by the way. It's something about your microphone, uh, Eric, has gone and started buzzing the second you started talking oh. about Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah. sorry. I didn't They're hear back. that. It, They're back. <laughs> They're in the machine. <laughs> I, I mean, here's is. the thing, Eric, like that, like if you read, let's plug, if you read my book on 2016, which is a political science explanation for what happened, then you're yeah. going to find out how important that the both parties were divided in different ways, but the Democratic Party was internally divided between Sanders and Clinton. And so much of that division, when I wrote that book, we had really only a very tertiary idea that the Russians had been 
you know, engaging in propaganda and disinfo with bots. They're just starting to come out. Cambridge Analytica had not even broken yet. And, mm -hmm. you know, so we didn't really understand. I was documenting how divisive the Democratic nomination was and how much angst when you could see the angst that first night when they would. Uh, she'll be back in a second. I hope she'll Alrighty. reconnect with us. Come back, Rachel. We could talk a little bit more about Elon Musk. Unless you want to read about his work, I just want to finish a little bit about him because, you know, there is this. Oh, here she is. Let's try and see if this works. He's also South African, right? He's also South African. You're back. Am I better? A little bit better. You don't sound as squeaky. That's only a little bit. I feel like the microphone's telling me I should shake out early this week. Well, <laughs> if, you want, if you if you want to get out early, you're welcome to. You know? um, I mean, what it, are you going to do? You guys, Eric, close this thing out on for yeah, me, buddy. Okay. Rachel, thank <laughs> you so much. Rachel Bittercoffer. I got you. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. We love you. And thank you very much for your time tonight. And thanks for watching MTG. And she's out. <laughs> she's having a, a weekend. Elon Musk is South African. I'm also South African. We're very similar ages. He's a multi-billionaire. I'm broke, but the um, the <laughs> but we come from very different he parts of South Africa. He supported autocracy, and there was a lot of money in that, yeah. and we didn't. So right. there's less money in that. Look, the thing is, he came from a very different part of South Africa, where the, you know he came from Pretoria, where the uh, the you know much more Afrikaans-speaking nationalist, white nationalist kind of place. I came from Johannesburg, and it was more metropolitan and certainly much more mixed. And, you know, I didn't really like the apartheid government because they thought about gay people as much as even worse than, than black people. And they really were wow. offended by that. Not unlike the Republican Party of today, they sort of have the same kind of Venn diagram. But, you know, he obviously did not feel the same way. His dad was a added some ties to the Zambian gem industry, yeah, right, right, right. emeralds, you know, and what have you, which I mean, oh, you only have if you sort of connected to sort of the underworld. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anyone oh, who has ties to the emerald industry in, in Zambia, but you know, is that right? Is mining, I know, you know, mining these days, you know, the, I've looked at it strategically where China's tried to lock all that stuff up and blood diamonds, that's a thing, but I didn't know necessarily that mining going all the way back to the, those decades, that was underworld. Oh yeah. That was all this, you know, the same parties at play, the same, you know, Russians and Israelis and Americans all trying to get as much money as they can out of Africa and putting up all these dictatorial governments as proxy states huh. and what have you. The point is behind all of this, he is not necessarily the guy we should be giving Twitter too, even for $50 billion, whatever it is he's going to raise, you know, even if he promises you the very, very best for Twitter, he's not going to deliver it. In fact, chances are he's going to take away everything we love about Twitter and replace it with something else. Like he's going to bulldoze the town square. We're going to have nothing but control and regulation in a place that we've not had that much control and regulation and we shouldn't have any of it. So no, thank you. Elon Musk. So you'll, you, keep you'll have to buy a share of Tesla stock every time you tweet. <laughs> exactly. Or it's always Bitcoin. Isn't he a big guy in Bitcoin? Isn't it funny these things all go together? They do. We should actually uh, start, start an Indiegogo or something to buy Twitter. Maybe we can raise uh, 54 or $55 billion. Look, we did so much work on Louis oh. DeJoy here. Here's my radical plan. Once we get DeJoy out, and we have like non-autocrat mobsters running the postal service. <laughs> you know, I would like the U.S. Postal Service to run social media. Here's why. Things that you do over the postal service in the United States, for example, are subject to criminal law. Like if you commit a crime and you use a bank check or, you know, transfer documents, you can be cited for mail fraud. 
Right. Right. You know, or if it's over wire, you know, if you're shuffling money around, that becomes wire fraud. And, you know, you've got, you can say whatever you want over the U.S. mail system, but if you commit a crime with it, then that is something that you have to answer for. Also, in oh. other types of public square things, uh, like public speech, there are limits to speech. Like, for example, I was joking about the botnets, but there have also been human intelligence kind of nets of, you know, agents out there, people looking to smear certain folks, uh, you know, reputations, take their livelihoods. You ever hear of that? (laughs) Never. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, that should be subject to defamation. And you kind of need, you need some probably some technology that would, you know, sophisticated enough to nail these communications to people. You know, like if I mail a threat to Nancy Pelosi, I'm in some deep shit. Right. Yeah. And by the way, that you know, do you remember the first guys who arrested Steve Bannon on Guo Wengi's yacht? Do you know who yeah, took yeah, him yeah. down? Yeah. It was the U.S. It's Postal, Postal Inspection Service. Yeah, exactly. They're gnarly. So you make a good point. I mean, there really is. There's no regulation. And the USPS, even under Louis DeJoy, although he would have to go away. But um, he's still there. I think he's still there. Um, he's still there, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, I think, but I think your, your point is valid. I mean, one thing that Elon Musk wants to do is take away all uh, spam bots and make every human authenticate themselves, which would be a real suppression of free speech. But what you pointed out is quite correct. There are a lot of human groups intelligence operations that could replace the spam bots and be much more effective without the spam bots in their way in organizing uh, and amplifying messages or, as you point out, discrediting people or disqualifying them from the public space by making them seem like something that they're not. You know, that's a very good point that you raised, that we could be, even though they're human people, they're human and authenticated people, they could be much more likely to be successful if they were running it under a different uh, regime where there was no spam bots and they could really do their work. So that's interesting. Interesting point of view. You know, I had a certain tech exec after the 2016 election who tried DMing me and saying, well, man, what about free speech? I'm like, Russian intelligence does not, should not get free speech in America's election or France's election or Brexit. Um, Or Fox News access, which they seem to have 24 seven. I mean, I don't, I still don't get any of that. Like, you know, just get rid of it. Just get rid of all these uh, Russian intelligence officers that are running all these news and media organizations. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. They don't need it. They don't need to be mainlined into our homes. They can reach your kids. This is a brand new era of communications technology and media. And there's almost always a Wild West period, uh, especially since Telegraph, you know, was revolutionary in its way. I mean, before that, the fastest Internet you had was a horse mm-hmm. and a guy on a horse. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he revolutionized some things, but, you know, radio really did that. This is where you start getting, you know, nationwide media. It changes uh, music and it changes. Actually, you start getting people, uh, especially when you add video to it, uh, you get people changing the accents and standardizing the accents of a language in a country, you know these technologies change society every time. And, you know, we usually use them for sex and war first and then kind of go on from there. But, you know, with social media, it's, if you think about the, the films of Leni Riefenstahl in Nazi Germany, right. You know, those, she was an incredible innovator in how to create, you know, emotional images and uh, you know, not a nice thing they did with it, you know, but incredibly effective. And then, you know, we recognize that as, as propaganda. 
And, you know, but it was a wild west. Like no one understood like how you could whip up people into such a frenzy using these images and radio and, and, and movies and stuff like that. And then we knew, and it's like, oh, we need, you know, we had boards of broadcasters and when everything was over the public airwaves and you did have the fairness doctrine in the United States and it's different in different countries, social media came out and you know, it's become indispensable. And, you know, we didn't have any, you know, maybe we were limited in the technology to make this possible. You know, maybe we needed a blockchain type of thing to really authenticate who's who, so that even if you want to stay anonymous, we can track back to you in case you commit a crime or something. But in the Wild West period, anyone, you know, you can set up 28,000 Huawei phones in Moldova and say, hi, I'm a black person who loves Donald Trump. And, yep. in, you know, and that did. fit right in the use of uh, American free speech. Well, we need to get rid of that and keep the rest of this. Yeah, so. I agree. And I, you know, um, this is uh, from Homeland and the TV show, but on the still, it's on the floor. Is it of the CIA when you walk in there? Not that I've ever been, but it says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It does not say, and you shall know the balance and the balance shall set you free. It talks about truth. It does, we don't need to give everyone balance and equal say, Mr. Musk. We just need the truth out there yeah. as best as we can have it. Also, this one I love from New Hampshire, the best motto of any state in America, <laughs> live free or die. That's, that's what's right. at stake, people. That's what's at stake. You know who said that first? John Stark. No. You know who John Stark is? He's a revolutionary general. And uh, I think it was 1949. Did you just scoop me on New England revolutionary <laughs> history, dude? I did, I did, I'm, I did. Oh. I'm coming back with South African history next. <laughs> we'll we'll go at it next wow. week on on the after show. That is the show for tonight. We're a little late for ending the show. Uh, Eric one and more, Rachel. One more point. Yeah, you, you yeah, brought up the great, greatest point here because there's an old George Carlin comedian bit where he talks about how the states are defined by their license plates. And in Idaho, on a license plate, it says famous potatoes in new hampshire it says live free or die and he says the secret to life is exactly somewhere in the direct middle between famous potatoes and live free or die but i think it's cl a little bit closer to famous potatoes that was george garland's line so i think he's, he's probably a little right but i do like the live free or die for the ending of the show so we'll, we'll stick with that and uh famous potatoes i like it have a good night eric have a great weekend it's good to see you again we'll see you again on tuesday out. And good night, everybody. Don't forget you can join uh, patreon.com forward slash narrative where you can support narrative. He's out for the weekend. Rachel's left me alone. It's all just me and you, but I got to go too. So have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And thank you to our patrons for making tonight's show possible. That is the after show. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. You can support our independent journalism by going to www.patreon.com forward slash narrative.